Good morning. It is Sunday again, and we are all back in our homes again. Welcome to my house. Um, I am in quarantine, as many of you are as well, uh, because of, of us being in contact uh, with someone who has COVID, and um, we don't want that person to feel guilty about that at all, because here's the thing. It's a temporary type of thing. We just want everybody to feel safe. We are praying that everyone is okay, and, um, and we'll be back soon. We know that. And the great thing is that, you know, we have this virtual worship experience where we can all go together. We continue to unite in the same songs and the same communion. The Spirit of God is continuing to be with us. The Spirit's in me. The Spirit is in all of God's people. And if you're watching, then the Spirit continues to join us together. So this is just a delay. It's about living in this world. That's why I'm excited about our text. We continue in the book of Genesis. Go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter two if you want to. And I'm gonna be reading, first of all, the first three verses. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the seventh day of the creation narrative, and it seems almost anticlimactic. The narrator has been taking us through these days of creation, and we've seen that through this this darkness, uninhabitable world, God's light breaks forth and breaks through the darkness. And then how the land comes up and divides the waters. It's not able to conquer the land that has risen up. And then, of course, we see the, uh, you know, the, the sun, the moon, the stars, it, they move into their position. And, and, and then we, we see suddenly there is birds and fish that just come out of nowhere. And they begin to multiply, to fill the earth. Then there are the animals that are formed from the ground. And they begin to take off all kinds of creatures. And then the divine council, they want to make a creature that is in their image, one that will rule with this new creation with them. And God says, this creation is very good. Humans are the pinnacle of God's handiwork. And then it says, God took a day to rest. It almost seems like, you know, why is this even here? But there's something much, much bigger that is going on. You and I live in a very fast-paced world. Many of us, we have our, our calendars and, and we fill them up, right? 
We fill up our calendars with appointments, with things going on in our work, whether it be sports activities or church activities or clubs or whatever it may be. And we feel the tension of moving from one event, one thing to the next. And then the coronavirus hit. And a lot of our calendars, the things started to be canceled. Then we learned to fill up our lives with other things, didn't we? For example, our phones or our televisions. And and we get 24 hours news and updates. We can stay on this thing. Or we binge watch Netflix and Hulu and whatever else. Or we we, uh, get on and we play video games all day long. And then there are those who say, well, look, I've been very productive. Man, we have cleaned out our house. There are those who've done lots of home improvement. But the issue is that we continue to find ways to stay busy. And we find it very difficult to rest. Watch the way we do vacations. Now, when I grew up, my mom and my aunts and uncles and uh, my dad, my everybody, the whole family, we would go to Disney World about every couple of years. We drove 12 hours to get to the happiest and the hottest place on earth. And my mom and my aunt always had this itinerary to make sure that we saw everything. And we wore ourselves out. We came back from vacation actually much more worn out than we were before. And look, it's not that those things are wrong in and of themselves. In fact, we, but we just tend to fill our lives with more and more stuff and things in our lives. And we, we fail to stop. Even our weekly worship can be this way. Most churches have a schedule for worship. And, you know, we have a mental uh, time restraint that we place upon worship. And I'll be honest, I've been one of the worst to do this over the years. Um, Several years ago, not at this congregation, I met with all the men who would be serving that morning. And and I would tell them, you know, look, you need to be sitting on the chairs behind the podium or on the front row, or, you know, we don't want any dead spaces, no pauses. Because to me, silence was not golden. Plus, you know, we had to get out at a certain time in order to get to our restaurants. It's very important. In fact, we had a saying, it was BBQ, not barbecue, Beat the Baptist to Quincy's. I apologize to my Baptist friends out there. But we Church of Christ people get hungry. We have a tough time waiting. Which begs the question, when the world seems to be falling down around us with all the chaos that we're seeing in our world, is our worship together a sense of peace? Is it a sense of comfort and spiritual refreshment? Is it a place that we can stop from our fast-paced world? I want to dig a little bit deeper into this Genesis passage. 
And the first thing that I want to note is why we rest. And to put it simply, we rest because God rested. Even later when, you know, many hundreds of years later, when, when Moses, uh, you know, and the law and they give the, the 10 commands and to keep the Sabbath day, all of it was based on because God rested here on the seventh day of creation. God stops. It says that God rested. The Hebrew is Shabbat. It's where we get our word Sabbath. But more importantly, it's the word that means to cease, to stop from. God enters into his creation to rest and rule. And what we need to understand is that humans are here too. And they are resting and ruling here in the presence of God. The seventh day is the climax of creation. Everything is being prepared. Everything is building up to this seventh day. Seven has a strong significance. Now, Peyton and I, we did a uh, podcast this week on the Bible pill. So you can go to thebiblepill.com. That's P-E-E-L, like you peel back a layer of an onion. And we talk about this significance of seven. This is not the first time seven makes its introduction into Genesis. Genesis 1.1 is seven Hebrew words. Genesis 1 verse 2 is 14 Hebrew words. That's two times seven. Genesis 1 verse 3 begins the seven days of creation. And when we get to this seventh day, as we saw it read here in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, we find there are three lines of seven words. And then it ends with this summary clause. Seven. It is the number of completeness and wholeness. It's, it's more than just this chapter. It is, a, it is a number that is significant through all of Scripture. And here, as it comes to the seventh day, he's bringing us to this day of wholeness. The earth is liberated from the darkness. It's liberated from its chaotic waters. It's beautiful. We're meant to see our own struggles in these narratives that no matter how dark or how messy our lives may be, that God is going to do something that ultimately leads to this time of rest. The Psalms are packed with this type of terminology, creation terminology, as they weep over and lament over the things that are going on in their lives. For example, in in the book of Psalm 43, the poet calls out to God to rescue him. He is being questioned. His integrity has actually been questioned in a time of, of uh, difficult times in his life. And the psalmist says there in verse three, listen to this, send your light, your truth, and then lead me. 
He feels as if he is in darkness, as if he's having no hope. And he's calling for God's light to once again bust through. In Psalm 69, it begins this way. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God, weeping and lamenting in the darkness and in the chaos of the waters. Psalm 22, verse two. The psalmist says, Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. In Psalm 116, we find this great psalm of thanksgiving to God because he has delivered him. And listen to this thanksgiving to God in verses six and seven. He says, the Lord preserved the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. Your rest. Place your your situation, whatever it may be in your life right now, place it into this creative creation narrative. And understand that a day of rest is coming. Weep and lament as you go through days one, two, three, four, five, and six. As these preparations are being made and you may not see them, Adam and Eve didn't see the preparations being made. But God was doing something. Let's talk about time though for a moment because the seventh day shows us who is in charge of time. It's not us. Day one of creation, God, God's light comes through the darkness and it says that he named the light day and he named the darkness night. He's setting up time. Day and night is a day. You come to the center, which is also important. There's a, some chiastic stuff happening here. You come to the center and God he, he, he brings forth the sun, the moon, and the stars. And these are more than sources of light. He says these are for signs and seasons. And the seasons he's talking about here is not the four seasons that we think about. It's not even football season. He's talking about these markers for Israel's Festivals. It's the same word that is being used later for these festivals. It's, it's fascinating stuff. And they were dictated by the sun and the moon. It's time. We come to the seventh day and he says, take a day, take a time of rest from the six days of work. Each of these reminds us of who it is that's in charge. That we are not the true masters of our time, as we may think. I want you to just think about a, um, a Jewish Sabbath for, for a moment. In order for, for someone to celebrate on a, the seventh day, 
there's a lot of preparations that have to be made. Think about if you had to stop work for an entire day, you didn't do anything. What would, what would you have to do to get ready for that day? So you have to have the groceries. You have to have prepared the food ahead of time. If you have animals, you got to make sure that they're taken care of. You know, you got to get the house the way you want it, especially since a lot of people had friends and family over during these moments. And so in order for you to be able to stop on the seventh day, you had to make preparations in days one through six. And when you come to the end of that, then you ask yourself, who is it that is really in charge of time? It's God. He controls time. There's something beautiful about taking off a day each week in order to not just simply sit out in a hammock somewhere, but to settle in with God. In these moments, we realize we're not the center of the universe. The world's not going to stop because we decided to stop. One of the hardest things that that I've done was to take a sabbatical back in 2016. And I know, and, and for a lot of people, they just laugh at that. And they're just like, come on. First of all, you got to find the time to be able to do it. And it was something I just kept putting off. And I'm just like, you know, this doesn't seem to be the best time. You know, I mean, you know, because you want to make sure the church is doing well. You know, and I remember it was Joe Wilde. He just said, look, you just need to, to settle on something and do it. Just don't worry about everything else. But what was what was my problem? I felt like, well, things might fall apart if I'm not here. It was a humbling experience. When we feel that we are the masters of our own time, we stress when our time is interrupted. It could be as simple as, as having a flat on the way to work and you're stressed about being late. And it's like everything's going to fall apart because I have to stop and take care of a tire. Now think of something that's even bigger than that. A day dedicated to God, it reminds us that something bigger is going on. It's God's time. It's God's power. He will provide. He will work all things out. What does it say to us? if we're constantly late to worship God together or that we feel like we have to hurry and get out because we have other things that we have put on our calendar, our time. Who controls our time? Is it God or is it our own selfish ambitions? And one brings you peace and the other one just brings you stress. Now, there's another aspect that I want to look at here. And it comes uh, back to Genesis chapter two. But I want to look at the, it's a, that the Sabbath day is a day of grace. So we come to verse four. It begins a whole new section of Genesis. And it's another creation narrative, if you don't know that. It is connected with the first, but it's also very different. So I just want to read these uh, verses 4 through 15 to you. 
These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God, Yahweh God, made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant in the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put a man whom he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pison. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havaliah. There, uh, where there was gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bedellum and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flowed east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. You may say, no, wait a second. This is supposed to be a day of grace when man is put here, but it says that he was put there to work and to keep. That doesn't sound right. It's a different kind of work. You know, we have to ask ourselves, well, why do we work? We work to survive. We work to live. That wasn't what's going on in this particular text. We're given a much more personal view of God in this second reading of the creation story than we do the first. For one, we see this God personally inter interacting with humanity. He breathes the breath of life into him. He gives him, for the first time, we learn the name of this creator. It is Yahweh. God graciously brings man to this special garden that has been prepared for him so that God and humanity can exist together. They are walking with each other. They are enjoying perfect harmony, one another. And guess what? Adam did not make this garden. It was prepared for him to enjoy. Adam was formed outside of the garden, and it says he was put, it says there twice, he is put into the Garden of Eden. And it is to show that this was a gift for humanity. It was given out of grace. And then we're told twice that he's put in the garden. And, and the word put literally means caused to rest. And something else is significant about the Sabbath day, the seventh day that's different than the other six. It's the only one, it does not say in this way, it doesn't say, and the evening and the morning were the whatever day. It's a literary tool that's being used here. And it's saying that there is a time cycle for the first six days, but there is not a cycle of time for the seventh 
And that's significant, especially when you go to the end of the Bible to Revelation 21 and 22, and we see the ultimate seventh day. Did you notice Adam and Eve, or Adam here, is placed in the garden to work and keep it? It's different. He's not there to survive. We'll see that kind of work when we come to the end of chapter three and the things that happen there. But in Eden, God places man in the garden to rule with him. Think back to when he created man and he's to subdue and have dominion over. He is to oversee creation. He is to enjoy its provisions that have been made and given to him. The work is actually a gift. The, the Bible Project has a podcast and Peyton and I both listened to these as we were preparing there's about seven or eight hour long podcast just on the Sabbath day. It's fascinating stuff. There was one illustration that John Collins told that I thought was very helpful for me in helping to understand this type of work that's here. Imagine when you were a kid or maybe imagine your own kids and you dress up to go trick-or-treating and you go out and kids from all over, they flow into these neighborhoods and they go from door to door and people are just throwing candy into their bags. And what do they do when they got back? I did this, I know my kids did the same thing. You take the candy and you're in your bag and you pour it all out on the floor or on your bed and you begin to sort it out. You sort it out by maybe different kinds or maybe your favorites. And you're working diligently, but these kids don't think they're really working. They've just received these this candy just pouring out of people's houses. And now here they are, and they look forward to this day every year. We're now awaiting the coming of the ultimate seventh day. And this new creation that it speaks of, the Son of God has gone to prepare a place for us. And if he goes and prepares a place for us, he will come again and he will receive us to himself. That's something Jesus said to his disciples. It is a day that we no longer work to survive, but rather we join in the divine work of God. Servants walking with God and blessings that are just pouring out before us every moment. And we live eternally gathering and sorting through God's favor towards us. What a beautiful, beautiful thought. We're living in a difficult time. And I know that it, it seems that this is not going to end. We're in days one through six. God's doing something that we can't see. But there's coming a day of rest. There's coming a day where we will cease. And even if 2020 takes our lives, it doesn't destroy the promise of the ultimate seventh day that's coming to his people.
don't forget in your time and you go through days one through six, who is the controller of time? Don't forget the one whom we serve and trust him. Trust him. Go to the Psalms and lament when you need to. Go to the Psalms and give prayers of thanksgiving for deliverance as you hit other smaller moments of Sabbath. Take a day where you just make preparations just to be with God. And every day should be a day that we, we long to be with God. But I mean, schedule your whole time around it. Let's pray as we end our time together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the blessings that you have given us. We thank you, Father, that, that you continue to tell us over and over again that a day of deliverance is coming, that we are awaiting this new creation of the heavens and the earth. We're awaiting this, this ultimate Sabbath day that will come and we will finally enter into your rest a day when we will finally cease from the evils of our world. And Father, we have many in our church right now and they're struggling, they're going through things. And Father, we pray for them. We pray for as, as some may even be in, going to, towards the end of their journey on earth. And yet it's while we're sad, we also, Father, we're grateful because we know that they finally have been able to cease, to stop from the chaos from the darkness that just surrounds our world. Father, we trust you and we thank you for your son who, who went into the darkness and went into the chaos so that we might have life. And it's in your son's name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining me this morning.